Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Swim. What are you this? Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. You know, this week was especially odd for doing this podcast. I didn't talk about this much on the actual podcast, but if you follow me on pretty much any other kind of social media at all, for the past two weeks, I have been begging, underline begging, for fill-ins, because... Well, for those who didn't know, on this past Wednesday, I actually had my second Moderna shot. And far, far too many people were hyping this as the vaccine shot from your nightmares. Like they're saying, oh, it could knock you out for, for days. Some people have said they were out of commission for up to up to a week. And it's just like, people are hyping this up to no end. And it's just like, oh, but it varies from person to person. So I was preparing for the worst. I was preparing to have fill-ins to cover this podcast. I'm not even kidding. I had two offers to fill in. On the early burb briefing only. That's my currently four minutes morning podcast. The one that's recorded the night before and then it airs 4 a.m. the next day. That's 4 a.m. Central Time, by the way. Although, fun fact about the... You want to know why 4 a.m.? I picked 4 a.m. specifically. Because in pretty much most of my audience is either in North America and we have a sizable following in Europe. 4 a.m. in Europe where where a lot of where a lot of my listeners from across the pond are is still in the morning. Like at about 10 or 11 a.m. So it's actually like Mildly genius by doing it at 4 a.m. It guarantees that those actually in my section of the world will get it first thing to wake up and then still it airs early enough across the pond that it would either A, catch someone in their commute or B, in time for their lunch break. So it would still being targeted as a as a morning podcast, still be able to catch it before the lunch hour, even across the pond. Although for those who are further further east than I think the Netherlands. I don't know. I'm I'm not that familiar with with time zones, though I try to be you know, what can you do? There's only so much I can plan on. But I've only had two people that offered to do those. And for those who listen to the early bird briefing, you would know I was well enough to do all of them. Anyway, despite the fact that there are so many people out there that go, well, all you do is just talk into a microphone or, or my personal favorite for Twitch streamers. All you do is just play video games. How hard can that be? No one, not a soul offered to fill in. 
for this podcast, for Eagle Eyes on Tech, not a single one. So how hard is it again just to talk into a microphone? Yeah, it's harder than you think. It really, really is. Like, here's a fun fact for you. This podcast, on average, is 90 minutes. The prep for this, I'm not even kidding, is three to four hours. It takes me roughly three to four hours to do the actual prep work for this podcast. And it usually starts the night before. Now, fortunately for me, the the Moderna shot, uh, the second one, I was pretty I was pretty much only out for a day and only for like mm, I don't know. I would say I woke up Thursday morning and felt really really sore, like a car ran me over. But by about dinner that same day, I was perfectly fine. It honestly wasn't for all the hype for all the hype on how much the second Moderna shot is just an absolute nightmare. I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just take a day off and just guarantee I can be back tomorrow. That was it. That was it. I got it. I wonder how much of it is just. Some people had really, really bad reactions to it, and that just spread as just, like, it being super bad just because of, like, a few rare cases of someone having really bad reactions and how much of it is just people spreading misinformation for the sake of spreading misinformation. I actually do kind of wonder about that. But in any case, I got both my shots done. Arm's actually still a little a little little bit tender. That was probably the biggest thing. Like freaking where, where um where where it was injected. It felt like there was a tennis ball in my arm. Like the next day. Like holy cow, that was probably the worst part. But in any case, Welcome to the podcast that almost wasn't, even though it is. So it doesn't matter. I could have, I could have told, I could have opened up and said nothing, and no one would have ever known. That being said, though, I do need to. Oh, and by the way, I did put in the listings for guest hosts. I will do your prep. I can go do the story hunting. And still couldn't get people to bite. It's just incredible how many people talk big and then just like, all right, fine, you do it. Um, Uh-huh. 
Yeah, talking for an extended length of time and sounding coherent at least 80% of the time and know what the heck you're talking about at least 80% of the time. It's harder than you think it is. Someone in chat says I should try Hungry Piranhas if I need someone to bite. Mm. That is key knowledge right there. That's what that's what I should have done. I should have just had a fishbowl of piranhas just on my desk pointed right at the mic and just recorded that for an hour. Golden content. Should I actually start the show? Maybe we should actually start the show. A few follow-ups real quick. Uh, First off, last week we talked about how there were strong rumors about LG closing their mobile phone business. And we talked about how the timing was going to be awkward because by the time the podcast aired, LG would have already made their announcement on whether they were going to do it or not. And well, we're just following up to say... LG is now officially out of the mobile phone business, despite the fact that only three months ago, they showed six different crazy concept mobile phone concepts. Am I the only one that finds that bizarre? Showing off crazy innovative things. The pivot phone, the T phone, the 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 scroll phone. They had a scroll phone. A phone with an expanding screen because it just rolled inside itself. You could just pull it open and have a bigger screen. And it's all gone. LG is gonna be focusing on It's other business ventures, including Internet of Things devices, that being, you know, smart homes and whatnot, business-to-business solutions, so, you know, your giant interactive displays, and apparently EVs. All right, then. As a last note to this, um, MKBHD, uh, the tech YouTuber you usually forget about until, uh, Apple announces something, despite the fact he's one of the biggest tech YouTubers out there, actually did a really, uh, fascinating roundup on a lot of the innovations LG brought to the mobile space, and I highly do recommend you check it out, and just how, how many various things we just kind of just like, oh yeah, that's the industry standard now. You know, multiple different camera lenses with that do different things. That was LG that started that. Or started the aspect ratios we now have, which is, you know, longer screens. But it's all gone now. Someone in chat says that LG makes batteries, and that's most likely what's going to be in the EV sector. Yeah. Well, actually, they just said that LG makes batteries. I'm saying that's probably what's going to be in the L- uh, 
in the EV sector. It's so easy pretty much for anyone to just make a chassis and throw a motor in it. The key thing with EVs right now, and it's the big, big, big thing when it comes to EVs, is the range, the batteries. Because it takes a lot of power to move a car. You need big batteries and you need dense batteries. And right now, Tesla is just way out in front because they have had years to perfect their dense and what they're toting now, their tabless batteries in their construction. So everyone else in the space has got to catch up. Someone in chat says, I want to see Apple make an EV or a box with standardized PC components. They made the Mac Pro and then they're going to kill it. We're never going to... Bold, bold claim here. We are never, ever going to see anything like the Mac Pro. That's the Mac Pro currently that has one socket and a metric ton of PCI Express slots. We are never going to see that again. I am convinced of this. We're going to go back to the trash can model, despite the fact it's going to tick off everyone. And I hate it. But I, I see how Apple's going right now with everything just being built on their miracle on a chip. And yeah, I just don't see how Apple moves moves back towards being standard. They just won't. Another quick follow-up, now that we've had some time to digest it, uh, at the very end of the last podcast, where I normally do like my, my, my last little witty uh, line, uh, we had a story just come in like at that second about... Uh, Amazon being forced to admit that, in fact, the rumors about their workers peeing in bottles is true. Specifically, it involves their subcontracted drivers and the fact that they just have a hard time finding a restroom. And I actually don't remember the comments I made because it was very sudden. But you know how things seem obvious in hindsight? Not going to lie. This one is kind of obvious in hindsight. In the end... The Amazon drivers pretty much deliver exclusively to what? Pretty much residential homes, almost completely exclusively. Where are you going to use the bathroom? 
if you're just delivering to homes. What are you going to do? Bust into a window and just steal one of their bathrooms? No. A UPS driver or a FedEx driver, they also make a bunch of business deliveries as well. So they can just go ahead and use one of the public restrooms there. You then compound this with the fact that as an Amazon delivery driver, you're almost exclusively delivering to homes, and then the majority of most businesses then close their lobbies because of the virus, TM. What do you have left? So all of a sudden, when you think about it that way, all of a sudden it goes, oh. Well, I guess, duh. Now, I'm not saying, now don't misunderstand me. Before you start emailing me your hate email, saying that I am some sort of sympathizer of terrible conditions and whatnot I'm not this is a problem it is a problem that needs to be dealt with especially since you know one of the key components to this is the fact that Amazon is trying to run a super super tight schedule that's one of the elements in all this on top of everything else I just said. And it it, it does need to be something that needs to be addressed because this is, it's not okay. It is unsanitary at absolute best. And potentially, actually, dep- part of me wants to say it's probably illegal under some kind of law but I'm still not sure and it's probably going to depend a lot based on I accidentally hit the space bar now my story just shifted greatly it still is something that needs to be addressed and I, I don't know whether it's illegal or not to have these kind of conditions but it is still something that needs to be addressed without a doubt. So that is the actual look at this. Amazon has to finally admit that yes, their subcontracted drivers have had to pee in bottles. Whoops. You know it's a bigger whoops though? Facebook. Just Facebook. There's no story, just Facebook. Nah, there is a story. Facebook has had a major leak that has exposed tons of personal information 
including phone numbers on 533 million users. And you know what the best part is? You know what the absolute best part is? It is just out there. It's not even in a nice little package being auctioned off. It is just straight up out there. Anyone can see it. Tons of information. If you see a sudden surge in scam calls, guess what? Your phone number might have been one of the details that was leaked out. Because Facebook has one job, and that's to gather data and then keep it secret so they can sell it. And they're bad at it. How is it that Facebook has one job and they suck so hard at it? Just one. One job. And they're awful. So, you know, enjoy that knowledge. Internet security by Facebook. Yeah, there's something we want to trust. Now, some people from The Verge have tried to say that uh, it, that the, the leak is not real. Um, yeah, no, it is (laughs) Uh, multiple other sources have confirmed that in fact, yeah, it's out there and anyone savvy enough to go ahead and look for it can find it. Good job, Facebook. Good job. You had one job. And you're still awful at it. Kind of like how Boeing had one job. And that was to get their cursed 737 MAX planes back in the air. And uh, they found out that, hey, these planes that were... I forgot why they were originally grounded. I was... It was just like one plane, one 737 Max just like stopped working and crashed. And there was just like no reason they could find for it. And then they were all ordered to be ground or something like that. There was two that crashed. Well, they were cleared to fly for a while, but uh, guess what? There are uh, some potential electrical issues that have been found. So therefore, they are once again, most likely, inevitably, going to be forced to be grounded again. That's right! It was their autopilot system! Thank you, chat. It was their automatic flight controls that were uh, found to be defective. 
And I was just like, yeah, we're going to stop that. Kind of like how Verizon had another electrical problem and they had to recall 2.5 million of their hotspot devices due to a fire hazard. Apparently, the lithium-ion battery inside these portable hotspot devices can overheat and combust, not unlike the Note 7. Good job. Good job, Verizon. Apparently, also, the recall impacts the Elpis Jetpack mobile hotspots that were imported from Franklin Wireless Corp. and sold between April 2017 and March 2021. Apparently, that is the model of these. Maybe, yeah, maybe they did use the exact batteries in the Note 7s. Ooh, that'd be a bad time if that was the case. So if you are using a portable hotspot from Verizon and it's not your phone for some reason, that's actually, how many people actually use a dedicated wireless hotspot device? Like, I know they're out there, but I also know, like, a lot of people that are kind of in that same boat of trying to be as mobile as possible also have a mobile hotspot feature built in their phone, like I can. I can go ahead and hook up, like, 10 devices with a mobile hotspot just using my phone. Like, I'm kind of surprised to hear that dedicated hotspot devices are still out there in non-commercial settings. Someone someone in the chat says someone in an RV may have it. RVs are actually kind of unique in the fact that a lot of a lot of them have one built into the RV itself. Um, I, b- I believe they're actually done by a company called uh, WineGuard, if I remember right. Like it looks like a it looks like a little dome built into the actual RV. It picks up the signal, and then there's like little access points in the actual coach to do that, rather than you know a palm size hotspot device. I don't know. I'm I'm a little surprised to see that that uh, dedicated hotspot devices are still around. I mean, clearly they are, since a recall's being done for them. So I guess there's some use case out out for them. Someone in chat says off grid houses. Mm, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Would those still be considered hotspot? I well, maybe. I'm 
maybe I'm just thinking about it incorrectly because the ones I'm thinking of are like little palm sized ones that are like the size of a smartphone. And nowadays, that same functionality is just built into the smartphone. Construction sites, I suppose. Construction sites actually would make a whole lot of sense. You know what I think actually would be the biggest telling factor to our deduction of this? The coverage range between a dedicated hotspot device and the coverage range of a phone working as a hotspot. I think that would be the big the biggest thing to determine how useful a dedicated hotspot would be compared to just using a phone as a hotspot. Somebody with more time on their hand, get on top of this. I am now, I'm, I'm actually now get. I'm no longer questioning. I'm okay. Well, I'm still questioning it. I am now actually curious about this. We're going to take a break here as we contemplate our lives. And when we come back, let's talk Twitch. Let's talk the live streaming industry and how YouTube is just botching it hard. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. So we actually did have a bit of a chat uh, off off, uh, in the break there with uh, chat as far as what the use case is for a dedicated hotspot over just using your phone as a hotspot. The biggest thing we can figure out is either A, convenience, or B, Connecting a lot of devices, because the biggest limitation you have using just your phone is you can only hook up, you know, maybe five or ten devices. Which was just like you and your and your significant other, that's fine. But some of these hotspots can connect up to 30. Then things can get much, much more interesting. And actually for a family, if you're on the go and trying to live live off grid... That actually could be much, much bigger, especially when you start considering, oh, my phone is a device. Oh, my laptop is a device. Oh, the Chromecast hooked up to the TV as a device. Oh, the TV itself is a device. Oh, my, my, my kid's Nintendo Switch is a device. Same with their flipping everything. I'm pretty sure somehow my T-ball connects to Wi-Fi for some stupid reason. Why ref- Someone in chat says, why is refrigerator device? You know, we've talked about someone who got crisis to play on their refrigerator by using the fridge to remote into their gaming PC and stream the crisis onto their fridge. It's been done. It's dumb, but you could do it. 
Oh, yeah, and the obvious one, my Echo smart speaker is also a device, which just triggered and is going to say something dumb. Nope, never mind, it didn't. All right. Twitch has officially expanded its rules against hate and abuse to include behavior off its platform. This is a thing that really only those who have not been paying attention are surprised by because Twitch said they were going to do this months ago. Potentially almost a year ago. And we talked about it then. And debated whether it is something that they should be allowed to do or not. Now they're doing it. Now, before everyone starts going, or whatever other form of whining and complaining you want to do, just behave. It's literally just in there for people that just decide to go ahead and literally try to be the scum of the earth off the platform or going ahead and abusing either other streamers or viewers. Someone in chat asks, is this only for streamers who are partnered slash affiliate or for everyone? As far as I am aware... This is only for the streamers. I believe that is, in fact, the case. And, and it's pretty much ju- just um, like there has been. I can't remember exactly who it was, and it's probably the for the best. That I don't remember who, but there has been like some smaller streamers before that that like in their own discord were promoting harassment raids targeting other other streamers and youtubers and there was all kinds of really really sketch stuff being being shared in their discord and this is just pretty much this is pretty much twitch just saying all right look if we catch you doing this we're going to take action against you. Now, this is all stuff that is that is going to be under their community guidelines kind of overarching sort of thing. If there's anything we've seen about Twitch's enforcement on their community guidelines... You really, 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 really need to leap over the line for action to be taken against you. For the most part, I'll just put it simply out there. Just behave. Be respectful to your fellow 
anyone. Don't yeet cats on camera. Just just be civilized. It's not hard. That's how this kind of goes down to me. But they shouldn't be able to punish me for stuff I do on YouTube. They probably won't unless you do something really, really bad that would probably also get you banned on YouTube. Like a lot of people want to start start thinking that this means that Twitch is going to get very nitpicky about what you can and can't do. They have shown very little evidence of being very nitpicky about minor rule infractions. They have always taken the context of something in there when it comes to pushing out punishments. So basically too too long didn't listen just behave on Twitch. If you're an influencer, just behave. It's not hard. You should be doing it already. Speaking of streaming, Streamlabs has their Q1 of 2021 live streaming industry report out. Every three months, Streamlabs and Hatchet, or are they called Stream Hatchet? I believe it's Stream Hatchet, but I digress. They go ahead and compile all the numbers, all the viewership from all the major streaming platforms, which unfortunately now is only three because Mixer just noped on out. And uh, there's some very interesting changes all right so before we get started i want to point out the tech industry made a huge underline huge deal back at the start of 2020 about how oh my lord twitch's growth went down Twitch is dying. It's all over for Twitch. Everyone, let's celebrate the death of Twitch because their viewership dropped by a percent. Keep that in mind for a second, all right? Total watched hours on Twitch in Q4 2020 they were at 5.4 million total watched hours. Q1 of 2021, that is January, February, and March, 6.3 million. A growth of Wait, did I say 5.4 million? I meant 5.4 billion and 6.3 billion. Because I can't read. 
so that's good news for Twitch. Total hours streamed went from 230 million to 264 million hours streamed, an increase of 15%. Unique channels went from 11.2 million to 12.5 million, a growth of 11.6% from quarter to quarter. And the number that matters the most, the total co-current viewership per quarter. This is the amount of eyeballs actually watching Twitch. From 2.4 million to 2.9 million, an increase of 19.2%. Remember how everyone said that Twitch was dead at the start of 2020? Up, oh, Twitch, Twitch dead. Long live anything else. Long live. Was Mixer around back then? I'm pretty sure. Like, that was the narrative a whole bunch of people were trying to spin, and. Nope. Absolutely nope. YouTube, on the other hand, um. Whoa. Uh, YouTube. uh, Let's just go over the numbers real quick. YouTube has been steadily growing as far as their total hours watched. Where they peaked. Now you already know where it's going. From year over year, Q1 2020, 1 billion. Q2, 1.5 billion. Q3, 1.6 billion. Q4, 1.9 billion. Q1 of 2021 dipped from 1.9 billion down to 1.3 billion. A decrease of Wow. Total hours streamed. This this peaked in Q2 of 2020. Pretty much right when the pandemic was when when everyone was not allowed to be anywhere. It total hours streamed. Now this is content being given out was at 17.9 million and has been on a downslope and it went down again to 9.6 million hours streamed unique channels and that's a decrease of 7 of 6.7% unique channels on YouTube gaming this is the live section by the way went down by 9.9% from 738,000 to 665,000 But of course, the number that matters the most, the co-current viewership, the number of eyeballs watching dropped from 871,000 to 636,000. 
Now, Hatchet and Streamlabs still want to go like, hey, you know, uh, YouTube, you're, you're still showing good year-over-year growth. That's not good. I mean, it isn't. You can spin it to be as good as you want, but here's the thing. All live streaming got a huge, underlying, huge boost in Q2 of 2020, all thanks to the virus. Tons upon tons upon tons of people tried their hands at live streaming. Because, of course, they were not allowed to do much of anything they used to do. Society is now opening up a bit more. Not completely yet. But it is opening up more. To see these kind of dips in YouTube live streaming This to me shows a mass exodus out of YouTube Live as YouTube is just doing basically nothing other than minor little feature updates to YouTube Live streaming. Those of us here on the Twitch side of things, we make fun of our dashboard. Like, let's be let's be honest. Those of you who do stream, you don't use your dashboard, like, pretty much at all. Some of you might for a little this, that's. Like, I think I've got it. Uh, can I even find my dashboard? Nope, I don't even have it up. Now I do. And basically, like, the only thing that my dashboard is good for is that it shows me who's hosting. That's literally it. Literally the only thing. is just shows who's hosting me right now. Other than that, the rest of the information I've got from OBS. You want to know what's even worse? The YouTube live streaming dashboard. It is literally unusable. It is a dumpster fire. The information the YouTube dashboard gives you half the time is wrong. It gives you basically like the YouTube live dashboard is quite possibly the worst thing to blight the world. It is an absolutely unusable tool. It makes anything that Twitch makes look like a godsend. And that dashboard has been in place for two years. And YouTube has pretty much had the exact same live dashboard that they've just occasionally like tweaked a little bit. But it's still just 
an abysmal dumpster fire. And what's YouTube spending their effort on instead? Oh, we're going to copy clips. Which is great, by the way. The Twitch clip system is fantastic. And I, I do think that since YouTube has the tools to properly let you know if you're being DMCA'd and fight a DMCA and properly handle something that is in infringing DMCA, YouTube can probably do clips better than Twitch. But get your basics right. People don't even know if they're live. And it shows is just a massive dip. And YouTube just has so much potential to actually deal a significant blow to Twitch. And quite frankly, I'll be blunt about it. Twitch needs some competition right now. Because Twitch has been letting a lot of stuff slide. Like, they have let their DMCA nonsense slide for too long, and they're only finally, finally starting to address it. And so far, after a year of trying to address it, they have given us... basically a text box saying, are you good? And that's it. Oh yeah, and a big red button. That's all we got out of Twitch. That being said, though, there is a third streaming platform. As much as we hate to admit it, and as much as I hate to admit it, uh, they are growing. Facebook Gaming. Total watched hours increased from 900 million to 1 billion. I'm rounding, of course, a little bit. But, you know, you're talking a growth of 15% there. Total hours streamed increased from 14.5 million to 19.5 million, an increase of 34%. Number of unique channels increased from 1.1 million to 1.5 million, an increase of 32.8%. And, of course, the number that matters the most, the average viewership increased from 408,000 to 489,000. This is, of course, this this would be, what, the second quarter into Facebook-owning Mixer? When did Mixer go under? Mixer ended when? July 23rd. So they had Q3, Q4, and... They had Q3, Q4, and Q1 to absorb Mixer. And it's showing some decent growth. Like, I'd say this is now starting to become less... 
the sudden boost from absorbing Mixer and more just actually growing with Mixer. I also do wonder what the... I actually did talk about this on... I think that early bird briefing actually airs the same time this podcast goes up. Or the same day. But I actually do wonder... How much Facebook kind of just advertises your stream for you, if you know what I mean. Like, one of the biggest problems Twitch has right now is discovery. Try to get discovered on Twitch. There's basically nothing. There's the category you're streaming in. Like, I'm willing to... Actually, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious where we actually even position in the Twitch catalog. Probably poorly. I am willing to bet if I go to Twitch right now, type in talk show, which is the category we're streaming under, we are probably not even in the top anything. No. Not even close. Yeah, we're nowhere to be seen in the whole thing. On YouTube, on the other hand, they have a massive algorithmic system that can recommend your stream or your content to people based on just somewhat relevant terms. I wonder how much of that is being done on Facebook. And the the answer is I don't know because I do my best to try and avoid Facebook because Facebook has a bad habit of just leaking millions upon millions upon millions of details out casually and everyone's just like, oh, the, oh that, that Facebook. Uh, this is why we can't have nice things, by the way. But that is what it is. Facebook continues to grow. Twitch is going very strong. And YouTube is just really when it comes to the live game, just being shockingly bad. Like, I did not expect YouTube to have a huge drop-off in live viewership. I really, really did not expect it. We're going to take a break here when we come back. I have some information about uh, about an always online game that someone figured out how to pause. Don't get 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Outriders has launched and already out of the gate. I'm not going to lie. I there, there have been teases about Outriders. I forgot that the launch of it was only... Was was supposed to be very recent. It completely, it completely went over my head. It looks like an interesting game when I when I saw it being teased at. Uh, I forgot what Square called it. What did they call their little Nintendo Direct? But not, but by Square instead. But anyway, they teased it there, and it just didn't cross my mind that it was coming out now. But um, apparent, but it it so far has become one of the biggest games on Steam. But one of its biggest things is the fact that it's a co-op game, much like it's basically Borderlands, except less cartoony in a lot of ways. And so there's a lot. There's a very big online component to it. And this sucker has, it's averaging about a thousand concurrent, uh, not viewers, but players in the last 30 days. So, congrats. The the more impressive thing, though, of course, is the fact that it topped 100,000 concurrent on Steam alone. Oh, I'm sorry. I read I read this whole thing wrong. It peaked at a hundred thousand, and then it dwindled down to only a thousand in the last thirty days. So interest dipped quickly. What I find more interesting, though, is the fact that this thing does not let you pause it because it is considered an always online game. And as it turns out, if you have an NVIDIA GPU, you apparently can, in fact, pause it, according to Kotaku. So... Apparently, the um, Outriders does support what's called NVIDIA's Ansel features. The Ansel lets you go ahead and position your camera to get some really, really good, glamorous captures of the game. So if your GPU supports this Ansel feature that everyone forgot about... All you gotta do is just activate it, Alt F2, and Magic Azam. You've paused the always online game. Slow freaking clap. Incredible. So now that we figured out how to stop time, I have to ask. How many other MMOs can we do this to? 
Now, it probably doesn't work at all in, um, in other modes, but the fact that this game that has no pause feature, you can pause it if you have NVIDIA, but if you go AMD, oh, you got nothing. Facebook has killed the Oculus Rift S. Mostly because it has the name Oculus in it. I kid about that. But basically, well, if you want an Oculus Rift, it's gone now. Anyway, moving on. Facebook also refused to provide documents to Apple. As Apple and Epic Games continues to duke it out as to who's allowed to sell what where. And, uh... Well, Apple wanted... Facebook provides some documentation for who knows what. But basically, Facebook just responded with, responded with, if Apple believed that production was insufficient in any way, it had every opportunity to move to compel within seven days. Of the Wait, what? I feel like I just re- read something out of context. I don't know. This whole thing with app with Apple and Epic is starting to get to the point of What are you all even doing? Like we know what Epic's end game is here, right? We we know that Epic just wants to go ahead and set up an Epic Game Store within other platforms. Because of course, that's where the real money is. All you have to do is look at Steam. All Steam has done is sell other people's games, and they're still breaking in money hand over fist. As a result, you look at the mobile platforms. That's where a lot of Android and iOS's money comes from. It's the store and the 30% cut. But now I gotta wonder what, what is what is Apple up to? First, they go ahead and ask for a metric ton of information out of Valve, and now from Facebook too, sixteen hundred documents, two hundred of which involving someone named Sharma. Oh, who is... Okay, no, I'm starting to see see where this is going. Okay, there is the context I was missing. This is what I get for just including the story and not... uh, So, what happened is that... Epic called on Facebook's vice president of gaming, who is Vivek Sharma. As a result... Apple demanded they wanted 17,000 different documents from Facebook in relation to Sharma. To which Facebook said that this is, quote, untimely, unfair, and unjustified request to redo fact discovery.
Does anyone else just get in the feeling that this whole thing is just turning into two giant companies throwing temper tantrums at each other? That's what this is starting to feel like. This is starting to feel like a freaking giant legal temper tantrum. Just papers being thrown everywhere at each other. Just, yeah, just ask for all the documents. All of them. All right. Last week, we talked about Intel revealing their 11th gen processors. Well, um, 11th gen was a big letdown. And so Intel responded doing the exact same shameful maneuver that AMD was forced to do so, so long ago. The Intel chips, which, by the way, are now in stock. Last week, when they were just launched, they were still being scalped. Uh, they are now in stock. Uh, Order has been restored to the world. No one is now scalping these Intel parts because it's just... Everyone realizes they're just not good. And in fact, the original MSRP is already going down. Items like the 11700K, which was $420 because it was so blazing hot, is now... $405. Previous gen CPUs are still being sold at, uh, at lower prices. Most notably, this article here from TechSpot points out that the 10700K dropped $100 down to $317. You know... I'm actually curious. Since 11th gen isn't all that much faster than 10th gen, and in some cases has fewer cores, the 11th gen that is, how much money would you save going 10th gen Intel versus current amd like there's no reason to go 11th gen like at all unless you find a really really good deal but could you win performance per dollar going 10th gen intel versus ryzen 5000 hmm i mean if you're looking for the best there is i mean amd is clearly the only option But still, seeing Intel having to go ahead and having to drop their prices, much like how AMD had to do it over and over and over again, it does bring a bit of a smug smirk to my face. Someone in the chat says, no reason to go Intel unless it's a laptop. I disagree.
what if you find that uh, 10 600k for like 200 bucks? What if I mean I'm I'm just saying if you find the Intel part and it would have to be a last gen cuz current gen is just no. That's not it's that 11700k is not worth $405. But if you go ahead and find, you know, that Core i7, you know, or a, well, thank, thank you, Echo Device. Um, if you go ahead and find, you know, a compatible Intel part at a cheaper price, it can be worth it. Now, again, if you're looking for absolutely the highest performing system, like if I was going to go ahead and I want to make a system that can go ahead and handle streaming and the highest end gaming there is, of course, I'm going to go AMD. Of course. Especially if money is no, especially if I'm going, you know, a high budget build. But if I'm going performance per dollar, and I'm looking to squeeze every single cent I can. I would not rule out Intel because it is still a good performing product. And the fact that Intel is finally having to admit and take their piece of humble pie and lower their prices. The value can be there. Just like how back in the day when Intel was the king. Looking at AMD for a value buy was also not completely off the table. Just remember that every build is different. Always look at the parts, the price, and the performance. And then, of course, also figure in the cost of your motherboard, too. Because, you know, if you save 30 bucks going Intel, but the board is $40 more expensive. What did you save? Nothing. Always keep it in mind. Intel did reveal their next generation Xeon process. I'm sorry, Xeon scalable Processors. These are the super behemoth server processors, and in some cases, their workstation parts. These are the CPUs that competes directly with AMD Epic. And these are the ones that you can put in multiple CPUs per board. And I'm not going to lie, you know, Intel has been putting a lot of their performance boosts to their Xeons. They have been the king of the server market for a long time. Nowadays, AMD is the better option, and more people are starting to switch to AMD since, well, AMD has a 64-core part, and 64 cores is bigger than Intel's 28, and even if you have two 28s, it's still not a 64-core part. But Intel has had the name recognition in the server space for so long that I guarantee you almost every server is still 
intel, but that is starting to change. More and more Epic-based servers are out there. So, Intel comes out with a Xeon. How does it compare? Well, the highest end, Intel Xeon Platinum 8380. Clocks in with a huge core boost. Oh yeah, they're 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 going out there. They threw everything they could in this behemoth. This massive chip has a grand total of forty CPU cores. Whoops. Now, a jump of 12 cores is not insignificant. Going from 28 cores to 40 is a really, really big boost. Do not misunderstand. It is a big leap forward. And generation over generation is fantastic but I mean you're 28 cores short or tw- I'm sorry 24 cores short there Intel uh, in, uh, AMD is still by far in the server space and the supercomputing space um, the CPU to go to so what happened What happened here? It's very simple, actually. When development of these CPUs we're seeing now, when that was done, AMD Epic wasn't even a thing yet. So basically, these CPUs have been worked on for, you know, a few years now. They're ready to go. And Intel's just like, so what do we do? Do we just not launch them? Or do we launch them knowing they're going to fall short? What's better? Something? Or nothing? And that pretty much sums up these Ice Lake Xeon scalable processors and Intel's 11th gen Rocket Lake chips that were launched last week. Launching something is better than launching nothing. And as I said last week, This is stuff that has been worked on for years. Right now, there is a new CEO in place. This new CEO 
has been going around and getting new talent. Some of it actually being old talent. Some of the engineers that are responsible for one of Intel's biggest pushes forward back in the day, Nehalem, is back on board the team. Intel is showing signs of going in the correct direction. But we're not going to see that result until next year at the very earliest. So, I mean, I could dogpile on like any other tech YouTuber out there or tech journalist out there or Verge and just go like, yeah, Intel suck. (laughs) Or I can be real and say, yeah, it's a dud. And the only reason they launched it is because launching something is better than launching nothing. A philosophy that, by the way, uh, that uh, Apple should probably follow at some point. I can't tell you how many times I just look at Apple and see them just like have a product that is just hilariously out of date. And just be like, yeah, whatevs. More leaked photos of Intel's Z graphics card has surfaced. This time, it being a super generic Black Shroud affair. And the only real interesting detail we got about this thing is the fact that it has a 6-pin and an 8-pin power connector. Ooh. Look out. So for those who who were doubters, it's coming. Intel's going to make a GPU, and it may in fact be the only GPU you you could ever get your hands on. Because AMD and and freaking NVIDIA can't keep GPUs on the shelves to save their lives until the year 2525. I am going to be so depressed. If either of the GPUs in my current desktops die. Like if either of them die, I'll probably just like put out a podcast. That's just five minutes of me crying. That that's just what the, that's, that's just what the graphic art market is now. It is just depression in a can. You can't get anything. And what you can get a hold of is just scalped. (sighs) I need something to cheer me up. Oh, here we go. Some engineers have figured out a way to upgrade the storage and RAM on Apple's Mac Mini. So one of the things that uh, I can't remember if I actually talked about it in the podcast or if I talked about it uh, during the break, but um, I said that Apple 
will most likely never make a user upgradable computer ever again because they just absolutely love the fact that everything is just going to be built under their miracle on a chip, their system on a chip, their M1 or M whatever Apple Silicon processor. Well, some engineers have found a way and have successfully gone ahead and upgraded an M1 Mac Mini by replacing some of the chips on the die. This is, of course, an upgrade that no mortal can do for the most part, but uh, because the storage and everything is soldered directly onto the chip, it involves having to go ahead and melt the solder and then reconnect all the solder points on the chip, which, by the way, I am not going to bother counting that, and I am currently scrolling through the story to see if they mention how many solder points there are to replace it does not say by the looks of it i would n- it's it's not feasible just don't do it but the fact that this is what it takes now to upgrade a mac the english language is insufficient in expressing how much i am disappointed by by apple I was actually even talking with uh, an associate of mine about how no no tech guy that is just getting into tech right now would ever believe us if we said, did you know that Apple used to make a computer where with the flick of a lever, you have you had access to the whole computer and it just used standard components except for the processor I don't really bet chat doesn't believe chat do you believe me do you believe me when I say that that Apple had a computer with no tools you could get into it and replace components did you know Apple had an iMac that all you needed was a hex tool Remove three screws on the bottom and the entire back of the iMac would come off and you had access to everything. It's true. The G5 iMac. Three screws on the bottom. That's it. Back comes off. And you can replace everything. The power supply was even shielded. It was actually safe to access it. The PC I just described, the Power Mac G3 and G4. Both of them, a lever on the side, you pull the door down, the entire motherboard was just on that door and it was just laying perfectly, perfectly flat. You could access everything. And it was actually, it was even wire managed in there. It was beautifully cable managed. 
It was incredible. The Power Mac G4 Cube. A small 8-inch cube computer. No fan. It was built to be an elegant solution. It was the predecessor to the Mac Mini. The entire computer was just sat there. You'd put your CD in like a toaster. And the whole thing was encased in acrylic. But if you put the computer upside down, you could press down a handle and pull the entire guts of the computer out like some kind of nuclear core. And it was all there. You could replace the RAM, the hard drive, the motherboard. It was all there. Good full access. Even use standard screws. Nowadays, if you don't know how to solder, well, that's it. Blowing it dies. Throw it out. Useless. You gotta be a freaking board repair technician to have any prayer of upgrading or fixing a Mac now. No hope. No hope at all. It really is a shame how far Apple has fallen considering it it wasn't it was only freaking what the 17 years ago no yeah about 17, 17 18 16 years ago that all he does that back then they were they have reached the peak of repairable accessible and elegant solutions but ever ever since about um 2005 was when all of that went out the window pcs glued together nearly impossible to disassemble And everything just started going further and further down the road of being absolute hot garbage. (sighs) It's such a shame, really. It really, really is. And honestly, even though the solution that these engineers have found to upgrade the RAM is not practical, the fact they did it still puts a smile on my face. Because it looks at Apple square in the face. The company that really back in its heyday perfected 
serviceability and said, yeah, we can still fix this, whether you like it or not. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, um, apparently there are rumors that Google is not going to launch a Pixel phone. Well, Google has quashed those rumors by, well, very, very, very easily. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so I want to try and crank out as much as we can and wrap up this podcast before it goes too long. All right, so apparently there are rumors that the Pixel 5a 5G were not going to exist. Well, spoiler alerts, uh, Google has confirmed that the Pixel 5a 5G will in fact will in fact exist and will launch later this year. I did not even know there were rumors saying this phone wasn't going to exist. Not go- not going to lie. Anyway, the 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 Pixel number A line has uh always been one that uh still kind of makes me smile a little bit just cuz well first off A the A line tends to be more budget focused. Like, it usually ends up being, like, a sub-$400 or sub-$500 phone. And for those who are desperately trying to find a phone that has one built in, they also normally have a headphone jack. I I don't want to speak it too loudly. Because if they find out that it has a headphone jack, that, uh, that the the headphone jack police will try to go ahead and end it. They're an endangered species. We need to protect the headphone jack as much as we can. Or else bad things will happen to them all. So I, for one, am actually looking forward to seeing this thing launch and also how much it's going to be. Because I'm not going to lie, as phones keep pr- creeping to be more and more and more expensive, we need to keep these alive GM revealed their new Hummer EV SUV which will be sold alongside its Hummer pickup truck EV these are both electrical Hummers and thus bringing complete and absolute confusion to everyone who has ever heard the word Hummer. I'm I'm not going to lie. A Hummer that does not consume gasoline confuses everything. What even is this world? A fuel-efficient Hummer. Nothing makes sense anymore. But in any case, the new SUV model will also be able to drive diagonally, much like the pickup truck model will also be able to drive diagonally. What this will be used for in a practical world, I don't know. 
other than for niche off-roading capabilities. Can anyone think of a reason why you'd want to drive diagonally? Someone in chat says towing in tight corners. Hmm. Maybe. I would almost think that uh, you'd run into another problem then. Because, yeah, all four of your tires on the Hummer can go diagonally, but your trailer doesn't. So what would that do? I'm definitely going to file it under don't know if want. It definitely falls under a don't know if want. Meanwhile, in cloud gaming. Currently right now, the Xbox X cloud can only run on Android. But some clever people have found a way to get xCloud running on Windows 10, which I would laugh and say, that's really dumb. Just go ahead and play the game normally on your PC like a normal human being. But you know what? In this post-apocalyptic hellscape in which GPUs are a myth, you know, all of a sudden... All of a sudden, cloud gaming looks really attractive. What is this world? The only way to game on your PC if your GPU dies is to go to a cloud gaming service. Because them and cryptocurrency miners are the only ones that have are gaming GPUs. What is this world? Everything is upside down. Nothing makes sense. The future of entertainment will be using cell phones that are all all device and... Everything's insane. The world's gone insane. I've lost my mind. Oh. <laughs> anyway, now that I'm thoroughly depressed, um, I'm not going to go over the actual method because it is pretty much a jank workaround, no matter how you look at it. But in the end, I mean, eventually xCloud is going to be available for all platforms if you need to go down this ru- this route because NVIDIA and AMD can't figure out how to stock shelves so there's that all right i want to talk about a interesting little rumor the nintendo switch has always had a very interesting paradox the nintendo switch which I am holding in my hand that you can't see because it's an audio-only podcast, 
has various different wireless antennas in it. Mostly being Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and also a wireless charging system to charge the two Joy-Cons or controllers on on either side of the switch. All right? The controllers connect to the console via Bluetooth. So there is a Bluetooth module in the switch, but you cannot connect any sort of Bluetooth audio device to the switch. No, if you have, if you want to go ahead and discreetly enjoy your switch, but only, only have you hear the audio because it's a portable device, you need to use this crazy obscure hole in the top that I hear the ancient technologists call the head phone jack. A device that I am still uh, unfamiliar as to why Samsung declared the headphone jack dead. But that was the only way to get audio out of it. Well, apparently the latest firmware update for the Switch has added Bluetooth audio support. But you can't access it yet. Okay, but why? Why is Nintendo now adding Bluetooth audio support? Oh my god. Alright, now that my phone has given me a heart attack. Why has Nintendo now added Bluetooth audio support? It's because of Apple. This all started when Apple killed the headphone jack on the iPhone 7. And then said, if you want to get audio out on it, you either have to go get this stupid dongle that you're going to lose, and we're going to charge you 10 bucks for and nickel and dime you to having basic functionality back. Chat says the iPhone 8, not 7. Are you sure about that? While I am looking this up, it started back on one of the iPhones when they got rid of it for the sole purpose Uh, yeah, no, it was the iPhone 7, because that I, I Google up iPhone 7 headphone jack, 
And that's when all the spoof videos of drilling into your iPhone for the headphone jack started popping up. Yeah, no, it was seven. Anyway. It was done for one reason and one reason only. It was not to save space. It was so that Apple could sell the AirPods. And sell them they did. And then, of course, Apple bought Beats. I don't remember when... When was the timeline? They buy Beats before or after they killed the headphones? I want to say before. They might have been part of their... in In any case... The clear goal was to say, hey, you know what? Instead of selling $30 headphones, why not sell $150 headphones that you could swallow? And the worst part is because every other cell phone manufacturer are freaking sheep. Everyone did it. Every single freaking cell phone out there that is not budget-oriented ditched their headphone jack, and now every single one of us are almost, I again, almost completely forced to just go get wireless headphones instead of wired ones, which infuriates pretty much all of us. I mean, let's be honest. Who's happy that Apple killed the headphone jack? Literally no one but Apple. And I guess the bean counters at other freaking cell phone manufacturers that followed Apple like the dumb sheep they are. So this puts Nintendo in an awkward position. Because now what are you supposed to do? If wired headphones are basically extinct, what are you supposed to do now with your Switch? That's why I think Bluetooth audio support is going to be added based on this update that has been spotted now keep in mind this is not official yet you can do not go grab your wireless headphones and hook them up and uh and expect to be off to the races i will also say if you want to get into the world of wireless headphones uh wait because you know what i've been noticing a lot Samsung has a habit of just cutting the price of their various wireless headphone models just randomly in half on sites like Amazon. Like just one day you're going to find all of a sudden their $150 like jelly bean uh, wireless earbuds. Then that's how I got, that's how I have mine was just one day they were just on sale for 75 bucks and I was like oh okay just keep an eye out and be patient 
That is my best advice for anyone trying to get into the game. And don't get Apple ones. Just don't. You'll probably be happier without it. All right, T-Mobile is officially selling home internet service powered by 5G. Yeah, I don't know if I said it uh, uh, um, on the podcast or if it was in between breaks, but uh, yeah, I clearly put this, <laughs> this story in the wrong spot. Now, here's the thing. This is not exclusively their mobile hotspots. This is, in fact going to be a 5G modem that then would be powered by a router either built into the device in, into the modem or you bring your own router this is not a, an all portable pocket hotspot sort of affair So, ta-da. More 5G, more better-er. More 5G that actually is, like, useful 5G, not... It's millimeter wave, it can cause interference in some cases. Oh, and by the way, you need line of sight of the tower. I'm sorry, millimeter wave 5G is is, is cool when it works, but holy cow, is it useless. Up, I closed my window. My internet's gone. What's the point? All right. In troubling news, uh, the French army is now going to end up being the superpower of the world because they are now blurring the line between man and machine by testing the Boston Dynamics spot robot in various combat scenarios. My God. This whole time we were worried about Google or Amazon becoming the next Skynet. It turns out It's the French that are training the next generation of Terminators. And they are going to be robot dogs. My God. We must fear the French. Or something stupid. And thus, I bring you the last burb. The last story of the day. The weirdest story of the week. And quite possibly, depending on how much you want to think about it, the scariest story of the week. Scientists can collect DNA from the air. Scientists can now scoop up and collect DNA samples that can be lingering 
from the air. You want to talk about just getting closer and closer to just having Star Trek grade tricorders that just hold up device, collect seemingly impossible data. There you go! (laughs) Collect data straight from the air. Man, you're now getting just closer and closer to if you want to go commit the perfect crime, you need like a backpack full of everything ever, including now an industrial grade fan to completely replace the air in wherever the crime scene is because your DNA can be collected from the air. I I can't. (laughs) This might just be a case of me overthinking this, but collecting DNA evidence from the air. I'm sorry, a breeze came by and we found your DNA at the crime scene despite the fact that uh, you were 500 miles away. It just traveled that far. I, I'm, I am blown away by this in ways I did not think I could be blown away. Get it? Wind blowing away. This is both incredible and just mind-blowing. That we can just collect this kind of evidence. Not even just collect it on a surface, but from the air. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we have a daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast. On iHeartRadio, on Apple iTunes, on... No, it's Apple Podcasts now. Is it even part of iTunes anymore? I don't know. Spotify, Spreaker, any... You name it, we're on it, most likely. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and hopefully, we'll catch you next time. long until we man i i still i just can't get over it freaking collecting dna that's in the air i just man they're just in the air it's just just in the air
Just remember, always carry an industrial grade fan with you that's able to replace the air in wherever you commit your crimes and make sure you can activate it remotely. Yay! Just complete madness.